1: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Can't start the show like that. That's hilarious. You can leave. We actually can't start the show like this. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> this may be the weirdest outfit ever. <laughs> Joe's giving me a countdown. And he's like, three, two. Let's freaking go, Joe. <laughs> I'm glad you did that. Yeah, we need Listen, it. <laughs> we need, we need a recording a little early today because I'm taking my daughter uh, to school, Isabel. Comment on that. A lot going on. China, Pelosi, inflation, mansion getting wrecked. A ton of stuff. The Great Reset not going well. Stacked. I love watching Joe Manchin, this big phony, get wrecked on TV, by the way, <laughs> and continue to destroy any semblance of credibility he had left. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you gotta check out the U.S. survival rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to four hundred dollars depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival, and while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers, and they're all made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals and a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, Joe, let's freaking go. Here we freaking go. Yes, buddy. Joe, that was good. I really did need that. So just quick, a point of personal privilege. A little bit early today, not much. I have to go drive drive my daughter, drop her off at college later. A little bit of a long ride, so it won't be on the radio show later. It's only my podcast today, which I hate to miss because I love doing it so much. You know, um. It's a tough day for me, but, um, I saw something yesterday. I'm going to talk to my daughter about it in the car tomorrow. If she has not listened to this podcast first, I saw a study out yesterday that they told, uh, they took a survey and they found that the people who dream big, dream big wind up living their entire lives disappointed. And it's interesting because that's advice I've given my daughter and I'll give her again, um, today while I'm driving her up there, folks, uh, The world's a tough place. I'm not a philosopher. I'm not Plato. I'm not a poet. I'm not your psychologist. But that's some of the dumbest advice you can ever give people. Dream big. Don't dream big. Dream small. Accomplish big. There's a big difference. I'm dead serious. Dream big is great. You want to be an artist? You want to do all kinds of things? You know, Joe wanted to be a famous musician like the Rolling Stones once. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, Joe. Joe's a very talented musician. Yeah, cool. Joe wound up changing the world in a different way. We have the world's second biggest podcast. You know why? Joe had a lot of dreams, but he did big things. I use his example because he's here. I had a lot of dreams too. I wanted to be the director of the Secret Service. Uh, You know, I wanted to be a congressman. That didn't work. Dreams are great, but accomplish big things. The do matters. I saw that yesterday. Give that advice to my daughter. Accomplish big. Dream small. You'll get there. Enough of that. I'm not anybody's pop psychologist, but uh, I hate that advice. Do what you love, don't do what you love. Do it'll feed you first. And after you feed yourself and pay your rent, <laughs> then go accomplish big things. I'm right? Justin, you're in college. That's the dumbest damn advice you can ever give anyone. Do what you love. I love painting. Okay, Good luck. You gonna be able to pay your rent? No! <laughs> this, is gonna, this show's already starting now crazy. Maybe the craziest start ever to his show. Okay. So a lot happened yesterday. Uh Manchin, I'm gonna get to the China stuff. Obviously important. A lot going on over there with China and Pelosi. The threat level moving up even since yesterday dramatically. Joe Manchin just cannot stop lying. Um, the man has lost any sense of personal dignity at this point. I use that term often because at what point do you say to yourself, okay, enough's enough? You know, I have family, I have friends. Um, I just don't want this all on video for the rest of my life, looking like a buffoon all the time. So Manchin's pushing, of course, this massive tax hike, which, by the way, is going to cost us tens of thousands, if not more, of manufacturing jobs. It's a massive tax hike on America. It's a massive tax hike on the middle class. It is a grotesque expansion of government savings. Um, It is an expansion of the AOC-type Green New Deal program. That's what it is. It's in there. It's in the bill. You can look at it yourself. So Manchin keeps getting busted lying. So I want you to do a mansion does what every coward does when they get caught in a lie, especially when it comes to the economics of a proposal. They cite experts. Now, the fact that the experts on these things are typically wrong, and I'll prove it to you coming up in a second, is irrelevant. I got two pieces of video. First, Mansion, and then Jean-Pierre, both citing experts because they know what they're saying is really stupid. Whenever they cite the experts, remember Friedrich Hayek's fatal conceit, the pretense of knowledge. The conceit that you know something someone else doesn't, despite the fact that experts are mostly wrong. Watch mansion get wrecked by Harris Faulkner yesterday.
0: I'm looking at the Penn Wharton budget model, which you, Senator, have been known to watch. It examined the details of the schumer mansion deal. and sure. And actually, it said something very different than you just said. It said that the impact on inflation, this is a quote, the impact on inflation is statistically indistinguishable from zero through 2031. Penn Wharton modelers are saying, we don't agree with those who think deficit reduction will lead in a straight line to lower inflation. But that's what the Democrats claim for their bill. So it can't. So both things can't be true
1: and, well, and I, this that, is
0: something that they're studying so are you wrong or are you not giving all of all of the hard truth to americans about well, what this is going to cost them well, in let's terms say, of inflation let's say maybe they're wrong okay there's other ones that said absolutely different than that moody's has said different and you have the bob and budget policies they've said maya mcginnis and her group came out we had seventeen nobel laureates last year when i said uh, inflation is real it's going to be here and it's going to hurt us
1: immensely they say, "Oh no, no, it's going to be transitory," and seventeen of the brightest in the country. We're so let on. me ask. Here we go. He cites experts while attacking experts, while citing the expertise of other experts to say, "Experts, we should listen to them about the bill." Now, the fatal conceit, the pretense of knowledge. Here's where sense—it's common, otherwise known as common sense—would kick in. Joe Manchin is proposing hundreds of billions in new taxes to combat you not having enough money to pay for stuff due to inflation. So common sense, which isn't very common, especially on Capitol Hill, would dictate if you have a problem paying for stuff, the logical end game would be to make you more productive so you can make more money to buy more stuff. Not to take more money from you via the government and higher taxes. And then to take that money and spend it on Green New Deal boondoggles, which will not benefit you one iota. But he cites experts, of course, because experts know better problem is experts haven't known better. They told you there was no recession coming. We're in one now. They also told you inflation was transitory. It's not. Here's Corinne Jean-Pierre doing the same thing. The citation of experts. This is what we talk about all the time on the show, summed up in two sound bites: The stupid smart person problem. Cite expertise from so-called smart people with degrees who are really dumb and say things that defy common sense, like we've got an inflation problem, So let's tax people. That'll solve it. And then let's crush manufacturing businesses, which need to produce more stuff to soak up the money, causing the inflation problem. Let's crush the manufacturers, too, so they produce less stuff, creating even higher inflation. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but the experts said it. Here's Cree Jean-Pierre saying the same thing.
0: Do you have any evidence that this is going to lower inflation in the short term? Look, I just listed out 126 top economists who said that it's going to do that. Uh, I have a, They didn't a say quote. in the short term, they just said generally. Well, I'm just saying that it is a step forward. Um, we do believe that if you lower cost for Americans, that matters. That is incredibly important because when you think about inflation, right, you think about how it's
1: increasing prices. Well, What? What? Where did they they get her? She's she's just a gift here. You know, inflation, it's it's about increasing prices. So you're going to, to combat increasing prices and Americans' inability to buy stuff, you're going to take more money via taxes and attack the manufacturers producing stuff they need? But believe me, to increase up here... That makes perfect sense. So she cites experts. So conveniently, I actually put this show together backwards today, unintentionally. I was going to use this article anyway. And then a couple of people sent me these cuts. And they were like, hey, check this stuff out. I thought this is a perfect fit. The Hill, Carl Schramm. Nobel economists were dead wrong on inflation, but don't expect an apology. He notes that these idiots seem to have looked some common, well, he doesn't call them idiots, some common sense stuff. I'll get to the screenshot from this piece in a minute. Nobel laureates, meaning these are the smart people, they're really the stupid smart people, couldn't figure out that if you pay people more money to stay home than they would make when they work, then people won't go to work because they'll lose money rather than just staying home. I know this is bold, fellas. I know this is a bold idea. This is earth-shaking in the figurative sense to everyone on the show. Like, yeah, that's really... So it took a bunch of Nobel laureates, and they said, "Okay, well, let's at least make the remunerative package to these people—the amount of money they're going to get from the government during the COVID lockdowns." You follow me, fellas? Let's give let's give them an amount of money that likely will be less than they'd make if they got back in the job market, right? So that would incentivize them at least to go to work, no. so they could make more money. Correct? Well, as Carl Schramm notes in his piece, the experts missed uh, just a little thing here. They seem to have overlooked it. previous COVID benefits had often exceeded what tens of millions of workers regularly are. Holy, oh my gosh, that verdict is in these people are a-holes. You didn't didn't know that? You didn't know that there was a prior package that cumulatively adds up? That's like saying I gave Joe a paycheck for his last two weeks and mistaking it with his annual salary. Not to, these are experts. These are experts. You get what I'm saying here, folks? They were like, "No, no, no. This last package, the American Rescue Plan, that's not going to that's not going to cause an inflation problem. People will go back to work and produce stuff and that stuff will suck up a lot of money in the economy, right?" Yeah, you know why they'll go back to work? Because the amount of money in the American Rescue Plan isn't enough. It isn't more than their salary. None of these idiots thought that some of these people had already got money from the prior two porculous bills. That made it less effective for them to go back to work and they would have lost money. (laughs) What would the world? What would we do without experts? Why do they always miss the obvious thing right in front of their freaking faces? By the way, the Jolts report came out. Job openings. Largest drop we've seen in a very long time. Job openings down 605. Thousand jobs. That is extremely bad news. Now, if you don't think we're in a recession, because as media hacks and goons and losers keep saying, well, the job market's still strong, gosh, I pray to the Lord it remains that way. Jolt's report doesn't look like it's going to stay that way long. What are you going to say about a recession going forward when we have a potential another quarter of negative growth? And the job, uh, the joblessness rate starts moving up and job openings start collapsing too because people aren't hiring. It's transient. I can't get enough of these recession videos. I'm going to play for you one more. I cut it at about 30 seconds. It goes on a while. So this one's kind of short. But here again is the same media, experts in the media, supposed to be independent journalists getting expert opinions and using those expert opinions to formulate thought pieces. Here are these idiots in the media. Again, here first, you're going to hear them in the beginning with the proper definition of a recession, two quarters of negative growth. Then here, just a quick uh, compilation at the end. Them again, trying to change the definition to safe face. What would we do without experts? Check this out. A
0: recession is when the gross domestic product retreats, recedes for two consecutive quarters. That is the economic textbook definition of a recession. A recession is just two consecutive quarters of economic decline. Using just GDP, that's really what Brian Dees is talking about, um, is potentially antiquated.
1: Every single time since 1948 that you've had back-to-back quarters of negative growth, You've had a recession, but that may not necessarily be the case this time.
0: Actually, that's a misconception that two consecutive quarters of uh, negative GDP growth means a recession. Two negative quarters of GDP growth
1: does not necessarily mean that we're in recession. Technically, this is not a recession. It's not really a recession. I I could watch these videos all day. I'm sorry to keep throwing them I could just watch them all day. It's rare you see such a salient in your face example of human beings claiming to be smarter than you. They're the media people who are going to tell you what the facts are. So willing to throw away their credibility and flush it down the toilet ball over an issue. You understand all of them, and they don't even care that they're now digitally recorded for posterity's sake. Now, when we have a recession in the future and the Republican administration, I'm redefining it too. They can do it. So can I, and I'll be able to go back to them and go, no, no, no. It's kind of weird. You said that that, that's not a It's not a recession anymore. They'll change their minds again. They don't care. No human dignity at all. All right, let me get to this because this is important. Yesterday, obviously, it was a, um, I wasn't kidding with the title of my show. This could change American foreign policy moving forward. During yesterday's show, I covered Nancy Pelosi's uh, trip to Taiwan. Now, we've discussed all the backstory, why I think she's there, why I think it's a bad look for her and her husband. But I'm not sure what the strategic purpose of this trip is for the United States. I have an idea why Pelosi's doing it. Pelosi, I don't trust as far as I can throw, and that's not very far. Nancy Pelosi's husband is heavily invested in a lot of stocks, have to do with semiconductors. Semiconductors are produced in Taiwan. Pelosi may not run again. Pelosi, you know, I get the whole unity thing. I'm obviously Team America. I don't want to see anything happen to Nancy Pelosi or anyone else. I'm not an idiot. Having said that, I'm not an idiot either when analyzing the politics of the situation. Let's not pretend this is all being done out of goodwill. She may not run again. She may lose her speakership. She may be done in Congress, maybe wanted to go out with a bang. I don't know. Having said that, I'm not into Nancy Pelosi's personal politics. I'm into the safety and security of the United States, and I'm still not sure what the strategic purpose of the trip is. There's a couple of questions I wrote down here. What specific outcome were you seeking with this trip to Taiwan? There's nothing we can't do in Taiwan that we haven't been able to do the day before. We navigate through the waters. It always creates a little headache, but we do it. We've said we would defend Taiwan while saying we're not going to defend Taiwan. So I don't know what changes there. We've always had ambiguity there. Biden's just taken it to the next level by openly talking about it. It's always assumed behind the scenes we would defend Taiwan. What was the purpose of the trip? I I'm Really, I, I leave my Facebook page open for messages to the audience. I'm, I'm not being silly with you. I don't like asking questions out of the answer or else what's the point of the show. But in this case, it's, so, it's such an important, pivotal moment in American history. I'm starting, what, I'm starting to wonder, I need your help. What was the point of this for her? What was the point for the United States? Again, I get her purpose. Semiconductors going out with a bang. I understand what, how it benefits her. How does it benefit us? She's the Speaker of the House of Representatives. What do we get from this? Here, Brady Knox from yesterday. Chinese live fire exercises commence around Taiwan as U.S. warships deploy. The situation's very hot over there. The live fire exercises are have expanded dramatically since the last time this happened. I think it was 95 96. Live fire for the liberals it means actual ammunition, not dummy rounds. This is serious. We have U.S. assets over there in the water. And you have to remember, every time one of these rounds is fired and there's a U.S. asset in the region, the opportunity for a miscalculation of the enemy's intent goes up dramatically each time. It's the very definition of geometric growth in the mathematical sense. One round over the bow, two rounds. After a while, believe me, that heightened state of alert, you may miscalculate, they may miscalculate, hit a ship, then what do we do? What was the purpose of the trip? What outcome were you seeking? Are we setting up Taiwan? These are fair questions to ask, like we set up Ukraine with that uh, Budapest memorandum, with a wink and a nod that we were going to protect them when we didn't. This is why I don't like foreign interventions that don't directly involve the immediate national security interests of the United States. They don't have a short term plan. They don't have a long term plan. We led Ukraine to believe we would defend them, too. That's why they gave up their nukes. We didn't do any of that. We provided some weaponry. Regardless of your position on that, I don't think we should be there. I've said that many times. But we are still the United States of America and our word should mean something. What is she doing? These are fair questions to ask because other people are watching. I'm going to get to that in a second. I'll tell you exactly what I mean. She's setting us up to back down again. And each time we back down and incentivize another megalomaniac regime to do something stupid. It's coming up in a second. Stay tuned. Including the Great Reset. (laughs) That's not working out too well either. Okay, here's what I mean by Nancy Pelosi is setting us up for another back down every time we back down and turn around and walk away because we didn't have a strategic end game to this visit. No one can tell me what the point of Pelosi's visit there is. No one. It's a statement. A statement about what? We're dealing with a nuclear powered enemy. What the hell? It's not about making statements. What is this, the WWE? You're talking about a nuclear powered military, one of the most powerful in the world. You want to make a statement? Statement for what? Fox News. Iran declares it can use nuclear weapons, nuclear missiles, excuse me, to turn New York into hellish ruins. We got the death to America crowd now, threatening the nuclear attack uh, New York City. What was the purpose of Pelosi's visit again? Listen, folks, no one's more pro-America than me. I put the politics aside with this stuff. I hope she gets home safely. I wish the Taiwanese the best, the freedom fighters over there. But no one's yet explained to me again what the strategic endgame, outside of her personal political goals, this Pelosi trip was about. All right, folks, you know I've been all over the Great Reset. The Great Reset is this idea that we can use these global crises, COVID and others, inflation, economic crises around the world, to reset society. The Great Reset is a real thing. They've written books about it. The globalists have written books about it. Klaus Schwab, who runs the WEF, World Economic Forum, talks about it all the time. Their goal is a totalitarian, top-down driven globalist society. When it's top-down driven, it works like a uh, like a triangle, like a pyramid. At the top are a group of elites, the anointed ones. Uh, they've anointed themselves, of course, and from that, Their edicts, they filter down into a flattened base of people who go out and carry out their orders. That's, I mean, it's really not a complicated version of authoritarianism. That's what it is. The great reset crowd is looking for that. They want to, the globalism is their thing. They don't like, it's the opposite of subsidiarity. Memorize that term. Check it out in your local dictionary or online today. Subsidiarity. The idea conservatives and liberty lovers have is that all management should be done at the lowest level possible. Management should be done at the lowest level possible because your vote matters more. And because your vote matters more, those politicians at the local level in your town are more accountable to you by simple math. It's one out of 100 votes in your town or your HOA. It's one out of billions of votes if you were voting for a global world leader like the president of Earth, Stacey Abrams. Some of you get that joke. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? That's what it's the opposite of subsidiarity, authoritarianism, and globalism. Now, the great reset crowd needs chaos to institute the Great Reset. Chaos is their coin of the realm. Chaos creates a need. Create, chaos creates a need for what? For sanity, safety, and security. Nobody likes chaos except the Great Reset crowd because people will crave safety and security and they will thro- oh, they will then overthrow the system they have now and listen to anyone, the most powerful people in charge. It's happening in the Netherlands right now with the Dutch farmer revolt. You'll see it not to be. Not to be is the uh, non-satire site. The Dutch farmer revolt keeps ramping up and it's insanely important to your life. They want to institute Green New Deal type taxes in the Netherlands, which are going to bankrupt farmers and threatening to take their land if they don't comply. The farmers are saying, you pushed us too far. Double barrel, family friendly, middle finger. We're not giving you our land. This is a great, great reset initiative. They use. I didn't explain that well. Just quick. They use chaos as a vehicle to break down the systems we have now, hoping you'll clamor for authoritarianism and safety in the future. Make sense? Very simply stated. Yes. One of the vehicles they do that to create the chaos is to attack the food supply. That is what this is. They are starving people. And the farmers have said, we've had enough. They are not giving up their land, as a note in this piece. By the way, the tiny nation of the Netherlands, did you know this, is the second largest exporter of agricultural products they put food in Prince. I guess liberals are reading to the rest of the world. Did you know that <laughs> yeah, they had to put that in there for just thinking. well, you know, it could be other products too. Yeah. What's that? It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. If you need chaos to break down the system we have now. So people will clamor for an authority figure to bring back safety and security. What better way to create chaos than to attack the food supply. This is the great reset plan. Here's a couple videos for you. This is not going well. These Dutch farmers are like, eh, double barrel. Check this out. Yeah, that's, um, that's not really going well. That's not really going well for them. Stutch farmers have had enough. You know, Guy brought up a good point. Joe, remember that uh, the, the the old adage we, we brought up often, you're only, what, four missed meals away oh, yeah. from the complete collapse right. of society, framed in different ways over time? Mm-hmm. Folks, that's true. Wait till your kid comes to you after your fourth missed meal with no food in the horizon and says, Daddy, I'm hungry. How quickly you think the standard world order you're used to is going to stand after that? People start breaking into their neighbor's houses, death and destruction. I don't want to repeat the whole story, but I'll never forget being in the secret service in Argentina, talking to that cop who told me what it was like when their economy collapsed. And they caught a doctor on the street, one of the local doctors who was like mugging someone. Go to that New Zealand video. Cue that up if you would mind. Here's another video, New Zealand. Where they're going to what, start taxing the birth, what is it, the birth of cows? Here's a, yeah, this is going to end well too here. Check this out. Attack the food supply. Best way to create chaos. Check this out.
0: While belching is widely considered to be rude, livestock don't seem to care. All day, every day, they burp. But it's not the act of burping that's the problem. It is the methane that they release into our atmosphere. The average cow emits a whopping 220 pounds of methane gas a day. Well, New Zealand is doing something about it by taxing burping livestock. McDrillet explains.
1: With a population of just 5 million, New Zealand's carbon footprint is relatively small. Its hoof print, however, is through the roof. And now in a world first, New Zealand farmers will have to pay a tax for every one of the methane-emitting 10 million cattle and 26 million sheep that roam the scenic countryside. The farmers will be able to mitigate their tax burden if they lower emissions by modernizing their operations. Where the program could fail is if farmers pick up and move their operations to another country. When you shut down farms and they go someplace else, then that doesn't mean that the demand for these products that these farms used to produce all of a sudden ceases to exist. The demand is still there and will be satisfied by somebody else elsewhere in the world. And that means that emissions will simply shift from one place to another. Cow burps, cow burps. I cannot think of a better way to institute a a state of chaos to break down the current order, produce an eager yearning for authoritarianism than to attack the food supply. You don't eat, you don't care about who the local warlord is at that point. Chaos. That's their currency. But you can only push people so far. Folks, this great reset stuff is not really going well for them. You know why? We have an information machine on our side to call it out for what it is. Let me get to my uh, my next sponsor when we get back to this because there are other ways. Let me just describe just quickly what we're going to get to. This great reset requires attacking the food supply. It, of course, requires a war on energy. I mean, that's mandatory. You can't have people filling their gas tanks and driving around. That means they have the freedom to drive around. We've got to control them. You'd also need a war on safety in the streets. I mean, what better way to create chaos than to create actual chaos through criminality, right? Tie it all together for you coming up in a minute. Don't go anywhere. I got more. Okay. No great reset, of course, would be complete without an attack on our energy supply, which is happening right now. You see that globally. You see it with attacks on Keystone, attacks on Amar, the North Slope. Uh, They won't allow drilling in the Gulf. They're suspending permits. Uh, NEPA permitting rules. You're seeing this, I'm just describing the United States. You're seeing this around the world. Germany, which is engaged in one of the most grotesque acts of energy suicide I've seen in my entire life. Germany, which is being held hostage by Russia, or they're going to be frozen out. Russia will is basically has them by the short ones right now. um, Is threatening not to deliver them the gas they need to stay warm in the winter. You know that warm in the winter thing, Joe, it's really good to be warm in the winter because the alternative means cold in the winter, which also means death. And it violates the golden rule of the show, the Dan Bongino show, which is don't get dead. Now, the Germans had a way to produce some energy, which was their nuclear plants. But they decided to decommission them. Why? I don't know. I don't do stupid. I have no idea what the German government was thinking. I have no idea. So this war on energy is happening all over the world. Bongino.com. I haven't used a piece for my own website in a while. I don't write that. Matt Palumbo does, but he does a great job. Matt wrote this piece calling out the hilarious Biden administration for taking a victory lap over, quote, low gas prices. Matt notes in the piece, Biden administration now redefining the meaning of low gas prices? They love that redefining of words. He notes as gas prices have drifted from all-time highs in the past few weeks and are now roughly four twenty a gallon nationwide. By the way, a 76% increase since Biden took office. The Biden administration has begun measuring gas prices from their peak to push the absurd narrative that they're lowering gas prices. Corrine Jean-Pierre told reporters with a straight face yesterday that more work remains. But the fact is we are currently experiencing the fastest decline in gas prices in over a decade. Oh, that's great. Matt notes what she doesn't mention is, is about the fastest decline over a decade is that the Biden administration also provided uh, presided over the fastest increase in gas prices in nearly three decades. You see how that works? You see how the stunt, the flipperoo works? What great reset on a very serious note would be complete without attacking people's energy supply systems. Energy is freedom. No, no, this isn't some like overly melodramatic moment, like the, you know, that movie World War Z when Brad Pitt tells a guy, movement is life, movimiento es la vida, whatever. I was always like, that's kind of a weird line. No, no, it's true. Energy is actual freedom. You don't have energy in your vehicle via petroleum-based gas in your car. You don't have the freedom to move around. It's not complicated. And there's nothing the authoritarians hate more than freedom, hence the war on energy too. Chaos. It's a coin of the realm. Every great reset, of course, needs chaos. Chaos requires that you... Chaos The The essence of chaos is it disrupts your status quo so much that you'll have this just insatiable craving for normalcy again, even if it requires overthrowing the system you have now and craving authoritarianism. I can't repeat that enough. It's important you understand that none of this is being done by accident. Because people say to me all the time, I don't understand, Dan. Why is it these liberal cities are promoting chaos in the streets? They want to see people get killed? They want to see the chaos. If people get killed, that's just a casualty of war to them. You doubt me? Well, how will you, one, doubt everything, always doubt everything, because I bring the receipts. Fox News article, Audrey Conklin, the emerging crime capitals of America. These cities have the highest murder rates per capita. So I looked at the chart of these cities, and we went through and looked through each and every one. What do these cities all have in common? New Orleans, number one, at 36.8 uh, murders, their murder rate. Baltimore, number two, Birmingham, St. Louis, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Rochester, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Kansas City, Washington, Richmond, Oakland. This is per 100000 uh-huh. Their murder rate's per 100000 What do they have in common? Every one of those cities is led by a Democrat, most of them led by far-left Democrats. You think that's by chance? You think the top 10 murder rate cities... By the way, you may say, well, what happens when we go down a little further? When you go down to about the top 30, four of them have Republican leaders, four out of 30, four. About a little over 10%. But all of the top cities are led by Democrats. Chaos, what better way for a great reset than street chaos? But don't worry, folks, I've got an idea. Just hold, this, I'm sorry, it's not funny, but this, I, <laughs> you like this story too, Justin, right? But he read it, I hear them put in the show, this is, this is, I don't usually do stories that are like funny. I'm, I'm not the funny guy. What are you? Funny? I'm here to abuse you like good fellas, right? I saw this. Don't worry, folks. We could do something about the crime rate. We can just um we can do a gun buyback. They work really well, you know. They solve the crime problem every. You know that Joe? Bug gun buybacks because oh, yeah. all the criminals show up and get back their guns. What actually happens is all the good guys show up who don't want their guns anymore to get back their gun. Nobody else shows up. But that but this gun buyback was unbelievably successful. You've got to read this article. It is hilarious. Town Hall, Spencer Brown. So Houston Democrats, Houston, was it, wasn't was that on there? Was that on the chart, by the way? Was that on one? Is that there? It isn't in the top 10? No, it was on something I saw the other day. Houston, Houston Democrats hosted a gun buyback event, and one clever man took full advantage. This was a really successful event. So one man showed up to the gun buyback event with dozens of 3D-printed firearms. Houston authorities had no choice but to accept them and hand over gift cards in return. The real kicker? It only cost the man $3 to print each, print each firearm of which he made 62 and he received $50 per 3d printed gun for a total of nearly 3,000 dollars in gift cards. (laughs) There you go. Houston Dems solving that. You're a regular Wyatt Earp out there. Good job, fellas. Well done. You really nailed that problem. Gun buybacks. Like I said, Max, marry up street chaos with stupid, smart people. And this is the kind of thing you get, as I said in the beginning of the show, since it's common, it's not common sense because it's not out there. It's missing. It's missing. All right, let me get to this piece. Um, What the hell is going on here? Daily Wire has got a piece in the uh, newsletter today. I need you to read. It's the last article in today's newsletter, bongito.com slash newsletter. If you'd like to take a look, it's right there. Folks, I've been getting increasingly worried about our government losing its horizontal and vertical checks and balances system. We have equal coexisting branches of government that are supposed to act as a check and a balance of one another. The problem is because the legislative branch is not interested in actually legislating. They've turned over a lot of their power to the government bureaucracy under the president. Uh, sitting on, in the EPA and the SEC, why is that? I don't want to get overly complicated. I want to explain this simply. So if I screw this up, email me and let me know so I don't mess it up again. The founding fathers thought the legislative, judicial, and executive branches of our government would act as kind of like, there'd be friction. Not, you know, not, not, not open warfare, obviously, but friction. The legislative branch would jealously guard their power, the power of the purse, the power to write laws. The executive branch would guard its powers, right? The judicial branch would guard its powers. It's not what happened. They never expected such weak wussbags to get elected. Now the legislators, the congressmen and senators don't want to vote on anything because they don't want to get voted out if it's an unpopular bill. So what they do is they let the EPA, the SEC and the three letter agencies, the FCC, the FEC do everything for them so they don't have to do anything. But the one thing that they all want their mitts on, all of those elements of uh, our, our government, is they all want their hands on the ability to get their own private star chamber prosecution forces. Now, that is not the way the government's designed to work. Those prosecutors work for the Department of Justice, who reports to the president. So what the hell is Nancy Pelosi doing with this story at the Daily Wire? Luke Rosiak, who is a great reporter this is a big story spread this around this is not a small deal Capitol police seek to hire their own prosecutor overseeing allegations against congressmen and trespassers Pelosi wants Pelosi and Schumer want their own private little prosecutor here now it's not technically who it would report to but this is unquestionably as Mike Davis who runs the article 3 project said this is clearly unconstitutional For Congress to have federal prosecutors on its payroll and working for them. Think about what we're saying here. Pelosi and Schumer have their own little prosecutor team. Mike Davis notes it violates the separation of powers. Federal prosecutors work for the president, the executive branch, and every prosecution by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's army of prosecutors is subjected to serious constitutional challenges and reversals by the Supreme Court. What are they up to here? I owe you an answer. Folks, here's what I think this is really about. Again, I um, deeply appreciate the guy who said that my show was very prophetic, that everything we talk about comes true. Not everything, but a good amount of it does. It's because these people aren't hard to read. What did I tell you guys about January 6th? What did I tell you guys about the purpose of the January 6th theory? It was to interfere in the 2022 election, and it was to keep Trump from running again, and it was going to be used By the Democrat House and Senate for that matter, even though the House is running the committee to intimidate Republicans from getting involved in the election. What does that have to do with this Daily Wire story about Nancy Pelosi and the Capitol Hill police seeking to hire their own prosecutor? Power corrupts folks. Absolute power corrupts absolutely positively. They're loving this thing. And they know the January 6th committee is going to have to wrap up soon. So now they're thinking, gosh, we had this January 6th committee. We scared the crap out of a whole bunch of Republicans. We interfered in the 2022 election. It's just spectacular how much damage we caused. How do we make this permanent? I've got an idea. Let's get a permanent prosecutor in our office. Thanks, Chuck. That's just brilliant. That's just brilliant. That's exactly what's going on here. Call your congressman. Ask him, yo, what's up with this? Big problem. All right, my last story of the day. This is a big day. Taking my daughter to college. I'm a little sad, I'm going to be honest with you. I am, uh, because candor matters. It's uh, beat me up a little bit. We're not going to have an empty nest. We still have my youngest daughter, but she's been with us 18 years. It's really hard to take. <laughs> so, kind of a sad day. I'll let you know how it goes um, tomorrow. I'll definitely, obviously, be back. I'm just flying back tonight, so. See how it goes. My eyes may be all red tomorrow. It's not like I was crying or anything. I always tell you my story. story. What's my story about liberals, right? Liberal cancel culture. Liberal cancel culture is cannibalistic by nature. They will eat themselves alive. Okay, it's figurative. Cannibals are literal. But you get the point. Cancel culture is by nature cannibalistic. Why? I'm sorry if you've heard it a thousand times, but tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them and then tell them what you told them. It's the best way for you to remember all this stuff because conservatives got tired of being victims of this a long time ago and started flipping them off. We built parallel economies, we built Rumble, we built social media sites like Truth. We just don't have to listen to these idiots anymore. We can stay on Twitter and Facebook if we choose, but it's by choice. We don't need to be there anymore. We already wrote them off. They can't cancel what they can't cancel. You cancel me, you Excuse me, you cancel me on YouTube. I just moved to Rumble. You didn't do anything. We didn't go anywhere. So what happened is, as conservatives started to flip them off with the double-barreled family friendly, liberals crave that power. They love that power. The power to be able to cancel someone must be for a loser, like a leftist liberal stuck in his mom's basement watching porn eating Hot Pockets all day. That's real power. His life is medium. Well, he got the Hot Pockets. After the Hot Pockets is done, he gets to cancel famous, powerful people. So we started ignoring them. So where did they turn? Ah, themselves. They started eating each other alive. Did I not predict this? Guys, did I not predict this years ago? Eh, Just 5,000 times. Here's yet another example. Beyonce. You know Beyonce? Oh my God, Beyonce. Don't mess with the Beyonce people. Beyonce caves to the woke mob. Beyonce, I thought she was like a hero to the left. Removes the word spaz after accusations of ableism. I don't even know what the hell that means. They're just making up words. Justin said, they're just making up words. No one even knows what that means. Removes the word "spaz." Beyonce. Beyonce, who is an icon to the left. You know, girl power, let's go. I told you they would eat themselves alive. It's happening. But that's not the point of me putting this story up here. What, to tell you how cancel culture eats itself alive? It's going to get worse. I'm being serious as a heart attack here too. You have a problem with the word spaz. Have you listened to rap music? Have <laughs> <they're laughing>. have, <laughs> you, have you heard how many N bombs are in there? F bombs. How many bees and hoes. And have you listened to that? Beyonce had to pull the word spaz out of the song. Good luck telling um, Ice Cube and Dr. Dre to pull every word out of straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton, another crazy. I'm a bad, and the book won't. Cho- Cause I don't. I'm gonna make, not from the records, from like the revenue... <laughs> that I know the song. I used to sing it growing up, don't you? Those are the only words you can actually say. Wait till the cancel culture people get a hold of that. We don't care. We gave up on those idiots a long time ago. Good luck, Ice Cube. Dr. Dre, is MC Ren still alive? I don't even know. What about Yella? Is he still out there? I don't even know who's alive. and I know Easy's not here with us anymore. But uh, good luck. Good luck. Oh, Eminem! Oh, Eminem. oh forget it, Eminem. That he that he doesn't even he doesn't even meet any other category. He'd forget it. They're done after that. It is over. Good luck, fellas. Have fun with that. You create. You cave. You, uh, you you cave to it. You uh, you supported it. Now, you know, you reap what you sow. All right, thanks again for tuning in, folks. I really appreciate it. Sorry for going a little short today, a couple minutes, but uh, it's a big day for us. Please subscribe to my podcast. I really appreciate it. It means a ton to us. You're keeping us on the top charts. And thank you, thank you, thank you. It means the world. Please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and most importantly on Rumble at rumble.com slash It's free. We deeply appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You just heard Dan Bongino.